Hey there, it's Dr. Nazanin Mo'oli, and I want to chat with you about a key ingredient for a fabulous date night, feeling sexy. And come on, let's be real. What you wear plays a big part in how you rock that confidence. That's why I'm thrilled to introduce you to Quince. Quince brings you premium European linen dresses, blouses, and shorts starting at just $30, along with washable silk tops, 40-carat gold jewelry, and more. And guess what? All of their goodies are priced 50 to 80% lower than similar brands. By teaming up directly with top factories, Quince skipped the middleman and hands us the saving. Plus, they stick to factories with safe, ethical practices and top-notch fabrics and finishes. How awesome is that? Picking from Quince's website was tough because they have a ton of fabulous choices. I ended up going for their 100% washable silk sleep dress in champagne. And let me tell you, my husband was floored. He's convinced whoever rocks this is in for a blast. I'm going to record some content on that dress so you can see how fabulous is that dress. Elevate your date night style with Quince. Pop over to quince.com slash sexology for free shipping on your order and 365-day returns. That's quince.com slash sexology to get free shipping and 365-day returns. quince.com slash sexology. Welcome to Sexology, a podcast that untangles the science of sex and pleasure. And now, with this week's episode, your host, clinical psychologist, Dr. Nazanin Moali. Hey everyone, welcome to another episode of Sexology Podcast. I'm your host, Dr. Nazanin Moali. Today, we're going to talk about painful intercourse. I know it's not sexy and exciting, but I feel it's an important topic to talk about it because even when it comes to uh, my friends who are therapists, they don't quite know, they don't have the training on how to address these issues. And it can be very frustrating for women who are struggling with painful intercourse to find support. So I thought, this would be a very good topic to talk with Mrs. Liz Dubay. And it's funny that Liz and I, we were living in a similar kind of geographical area, I guess I would say like 15 miles away. And whoever hears about my podcast, how passionate about I'm in this about this topics, uh, they tell me, oh, you got to have Liz on. And uh, when I got the opportunity to talk to her, I was so excited that she accepted our invitation. Mrs. Liz Dubay is a sex and relationship therapist, speaker, and blogger who is passionate about helping others increase intimacy and sexual satisfactions in their relationships. She loves speaking on any topic related to sex and intimacy, and she has a private practice in Long Beach and Huntington Beach where she helps men, women, and couples get empowered about sex. Before we go to the conversation with Liz, I wanted to remind you guys that if you like this podcast, please take a moment to leave us an honest review on Apple Podcasts. It helps us to reach a broader audience, and I would love you guys for it. Without further ado, here's my conversation with Mrs. Louise Dubé. 
Welcome back to another episode of Sexology Podcast. As I mentioned during the introduction, I am so excited to have the sex therapist and relationship therapist, Liz Dubet, in our show today. Liz, welcome to our show. Thanks so much for having me. I'm really excited to talk about some difficult issues and so hopefully some fun issues. Wonderful. As we were talking about it before the recording that you said you're passionate about talking about fun stuff. So, but this is a topic that many of our listeners wanted to learn more about. And I, I, I know that they will appreciate your insights. So we're going to talk about pain during sexual intercourse. I definitely see it common in my practice among women who are coming in and they're saying that they have low libido or they're not enjoying sex. And we're when we ask more about it, they're talking about that they're experiencing pain. So how common is it for women to experience pain during sexual intercourse based on your experience? You know, the stats are never accurate when it comes to sex because people lie. Right. People, people go to their doctors and they're experiencing sex during pain, but they don't even actually tell their doctors because they're embarrassed about that. And so we, we're not really clear on what the stats look like. So Basically, it looks like the, the numbers are around, you know, up to 30%. So say 10 to 30% of women are currently experiencing pain and have been for some time. And but overall, women, 75% of women typically have experienced pain at one time or another, but hopefully it was maybe their first time having sex, or maybe it was a hormonal issue that they were able to address right away or even just a fitting with your partner sort of a thing, and they figured it out. But for women who haven't been able to figure it out, there's 10 to 30% are really suffering. And you brought up an excellent point that people are not talking about it with their physician, with their therapist, even when they're coming in for relational issues and sex issues. The therapist, at least I can talk about my experience. It takes them few sessions until they open up and say, it's, this is one of the reasons. And it's interesting that unless we're talking about it, we cannot address these issues. Yeah. So many people have gone to their, their OBGYN, they've gone for their annual exam, and they're not quite sure how to bring up the topic of sex. It's fascinating, isn't it? They're, here they are. They're getting checked out. They're making sure that everything's going well with their body. And they are too embarrassed to say, hey, sex is painful for me or this is a, a, an issue that I'm having. And sometimes it's a, a issue related to the, the gynecologist that they're not able to take enough time with their patient. And, you know, they're, they're in and out. And so their patient feels uncomfortable. But oftentimes, even when the gynecologist brings it up, they say, oh, yeah, everything's good. And so, right. so there's, that, there's that fear of maybe being judged or feeling like you're not normal or not like everyone else. And it's so important to be able to bring up these issues with your doctor. And hopefully people can find doctors that they trust, that they feel comfortable talking about what's happening with their body and what's happening during their sexual experiences with their partners. But it, it, that isn't always the case. Right. And I sometimes hear from my clients that some of the recommendations that their physicians say to kind of tell them is outrageous as far as like some of them to say, oh, just have a couple of a couple of glasses of wine and you'll be okay. Or maybe the only the partner is not compatible. So some I feel like some of the physicians, they're doing excellent job, but I feel at times they might not have enough education, training, 
about when it comes to issues around sexuality? Yeah, I mean, well, most physicians, from what I understand, maybe take one course in sexuality, if that. And so they're really lacking an understanding of how the body truly responds during the sexual experience. So, I mean, just think about the general population, even. The majority of people are not comfortable talking about sex, right? And so think about doctors. You're going to, you can assume that that correlates with them as well, right? It parallels that, that the majority of doctors are not going to feel comfortable talking about sex. The majority of therapists aren't comfortable talking about sex. And so you're going to get the, a small range of people that are comfortable talking about sex and knowledgeable about sex. And so if they go to an OBGYN or a gynecologist that suggests something like have a couple of glasses of wine or just use some lube, those can be some surface level ways to approach some discomfort. But if you're having pain on a regular basis, that's just crazy business. You should, a glass of wine is not going to do it. And lube is not going to do it. it. I mean, it could be as simple as lube and, and more foreplay and, and making sure that your body is opening up to your partner. But if you're experiencing pain or inability to have penetrative sex, that is not something that a glass of wine can cure. It, it's not something a bottle of wine can cure. <laughs> right. So, right. yeah. So, so we really need to also recognize that sometimes your OBGYN, your physician may not have the information that you need. And really going to a sex therapist is the, the ideal place to go to be able to get an idea of what is happening with my body and what resources should I utilize? Because certainly there's lots of ways to treat this and no person should ever experience pain during sex. And might I mention that men do occasionally experience pain during sex as well. Or, or men, you know, men have experienced chronic pain during sex, pelvic pain. And, and so this is not a phenomenon that it isn't out there. It's just much less common. So I tend to focus more on the female issues. And this is what I treat more commonly. So what are some of the like potential causes that you see in your practice that cause some women to experience painful intercourse? Well, um, once people come to me, they've typically been experiencing pain for a good uh, length of time. And so uh, oftentimes it ends up being a serious diagnosis. But sometimes it can be just a matter of like the basics of needing a quality lubricant, needing to feel comfortable, safe and relaxed with their partner, getting enough foreplay. You know, the old saying for in heterosexual relationships is that men are like microwaves and women are like crockpots. Love that. Yeah. <laughs> right? I mean, women take a lot longer to get hot and heavy than men do. So, so men need to recognize that, that women need an extra warming up time. And so, especially for people who are starting sex for the first time, people who have abstained from sex until marriage, they really, the women really need a warming up period. They really need that foreplay to get their bodies to open up. Other more complex re things, it might be related to the relationship where trust has been broken, where um, the things aren't going well in the relationship, or if sex isn't worth wanting. And of what I what I often find with my clients is that women come in and they're having sex that they don't want to have sex. They're feeling resentful in their relationships and things have been unresolved, and they continue to. They continue to say yes, 
but finally their bodies start to say no. And their bodies are basically protecting them, saying, you know what, you need to handle your business before you let him into me again. And so I work with them to identify, are things going well in the relationship? Is the sex worth wanting? And um, ultimately, when it becomes more complex, like a diagnosis like dyspareunia or vaginismus, where vaginismus, it's like you can't even penetrate. You can, some women, they can't even get a tampon inside their vagina. They can't even um, go to a gynecological exam because they've tightened so much that, that, that it's a mixture of both a physical response and a psychological response. And in those cases, I really need to work with the client to figure out, well, why, why were you saying often, you know, this isn't always the case, but oftentimes I find with my clients is they, they were saying yes. And their body said, no, no, this is not working for me. And then finally their body has shut down and said, no way he's not getting in here. And so it's, it's almost impossible. Right. And in those cases where it's relationship related, then we work on the relationship. We work on stuff that's going on with them interacting. We work on making sure that the sex is worth wanting, that the couple is communicating about what they want, what they like, what they desire, what they don't like. But in cases where people come in with negative sexual schemas, Maybe they had a very, their childhood was with their, with their parents or their religious upbringings was, was very much, uh, sex was not talked about. Sex was seen as dirty. Sex was seen as, you know, you really need to abstain until you're married. We never talk about it. And then once you're married, you're supposed to flip a switch to say, okay, now I'm ready for sex. And it's a difficult transition for people. And so I work with them on adjusting their sexual schemas and, and, and looking to reframe the way that they look at sex and sexuality, the way that they look at their bodies and uh, emotionally and physically. And, and so, so those are, I would say, yeah, the common, the common areas are, you know, oh, and also hormonal. Let's not forget this, that in, in different stages of life, as women are perimenopausal, menopausal, there's some atrophy in the tissues of the labias, and the, the vagina and, and to be able to um, uh, that often creates discomfort during sex. And there's other just physical diagnoses where you're totally enjoying sex. You're enjoying your partner. There's no problems there. There's no negative sexual schemas, but just physically, hormonally, there's changes that are happening in your body that are creating problems with the tissues such that there's, you know, irritation and um, ultimately atrophy and you need to get proper treatment from an OBGYN so that your uh, so that it doesn't become more problematic. Because again, like I said, sex should never be painful. Sex is for pleasure. Sex is for fun. Sex is for connecting. Sex is not for pain. I mean, unless you're into that, right? Right, right. And I think those are great different areas that you mentioned and cover it because I feel people get very frustrated. I remember like when I was a teenager and I was still living in Iran, as many of our listeners know that I'm Iranian. And I remember someone like someone in my family was struggling with painful sex. And uh, she went to the doctor and the doctor said, oh, you definitely had some experience with trauma. And he was a physician. And she kept like swearing that, oh, there was no trauma. There was no trauma. And the physician kept pushing, oh, it's usually trauma. But it seems like there's a range of different things that can lead to sex being painful. Yeah, you know what? And actually, yes, good point here. That actually, I, I didn't even mention that trauma could be a reason why sex is painful. 
And the reason I didn't, I, I forgot to mention that is because it's such a small percentage of my clients that come in that it's related to sexual trauma, sexual abuse, sexual assault. It's not very common, commonly related to that. And I think it's important for uh, our, our communities and for, and for women, our clients to understand that you don't have to have been sexually abused, traumatized, assaulted to experience sexual pain. And I, and I wonder if that affects women's uh, willingness to be honest about this because they don't want to, they don't want to say, well, geez, I, I don't want to, I don't want people to think that, you know, or I, I don't want my partner to think that there's, I have this history when I don't, or it doesn't make, or it doesn't make sense to them because they're thinking, well, I, you should only experience this if you've had trauma. And that's definitely a, uh, an inaccurate interpretation we, we know that the majority of clients who experience vaginismus, dyspareunia, sexual pain during intercourse in general, it is not related to sexual trauma. It's, it's, small, it's a small number of cases. Thank you for clarifying that because I feel for some reason that was the image that comes to the mind of many of my clients when they kind of come in and say, oh, you know, I have sexual pain, but I don't have trauma. And they keep kind of like trying to look for trauma, which wasn't there. So mm -hmm. absolutely, I get that. You know, it's possible that if someone had like sexual trauma, sexual assault, it, it might be uh, one of the contributing factors. But based on my experience, and as you were talking about statistics, it's a small percentage of people that the trauma is leading to the pain afterward. The other thing that you were talking about, which was fantastic, was you were talking about like having the foreplay i don't know why i'm black blocking out probably there is definitely a psychological reason there so the, because of the foreplay it's just it needs your body needs to be prepared and ready i was just talking to one of my friends recently that she was hooking up with this guy and she said you know i really into the guy he's attractive but just my body is not ready when we're hooking up. And we were talking about, okay, what about the foreplay? And she was telling me that, oh, I don't want him to think that I want to date him or want to go on date if I ask for foreplay or we're romantic that way. And it's just so interesting that people have this misconceptions about the importance of foreplay because it's an important part of getting ready for uh, intercourse. Yeah, you know, I often say people you can do much more with your hands and mouth than you can do with your genitals yes <laughs> and and you know I mean remember those makeout sessions that you had with a partner before you entered into intercourse those were hot those were so arousing and to and to ignore that as part of the sexual experience to deny that is really it's flabbergasting to me because I think it's fabulous and I, and I really encourage my clients to do more of it and not even look at it as foreplay. It's just outer course. It's what you're doing outside of the body and intercourse is another part of the experience. But intercourse, penetrative sex, it's really just a piece of the sexual experience. So is that something that you think it's treatable based on your experience or because that's another reason that people oftentimes they don't seek treatments because they think, oh, it's part of my, what, how my body works and I cannot do anything about it. It's definitely treatable. So first off, first off and foremost, Yay. it's definitely <laughs> treatable. And uh, tragically, I see a lot of clients who it's been going on for years because they didn't know how to address it. They're, you're, they're Googling and they're trying to work on, you know, how to address it. 
But the problem is, is, is Google is set up for the entire, this whole large population is very generalized. And you need a, each person has, a, is, it's a case by case basis when it comes to this, what, what's happening. So being able to go to a sex therapist and talk about the specific things that are contributing to uh, what's happening in your body is going to be essential so that you don't sit around and wait and, and struggle with it. The, I would say there's plenty of ways to treat it. I mean, even when your partner is really large and you're really small, it's just going to take more foreplay. It's just going to take more lube. And, and there's, there may be adjustments in, in how you're having intercourse with that partner. But if it is not related to size, then it's really important for you to get a proper and accurate diagnosis. Is it about, you know, are, are, do you have dyspareunia? Do you have um, vulvodynia? Do you have vaginite, vaginismus? It's really important for you to be able to get the accurate diagnosis. And so I work with knowledgeable OBGYNs and pelvic floor specialists and to be able to make sure that we've got an accurate diagnosis. It's really important to get all of those people involved if it's something that is that's been going on for a long time to be able to get the proper treatment and to get it handled quickly. You don't need to, you don't need to work through this for years. This is something that can be addressed with the, the right treatment. And it, often I can be able to diagnose very quickly what, uh, what it is that the, that the person is, um, why sex is painful for them. And so once I, once I'm able to do that, then I can make the, you know, I'm always suggesting that they go to a, a good OBGYN to make sure that everything is, everything looks healthy physically. And, and then, and a, and an, a good OBGYN can be able to accurately diagnose what is happening, what would be the medical diagnosis. And then once I get that information, then I can accurately make the psychological diagnosis. And um, pelvic floor specialists are basically, they are physical therapists for the pelvic region. And so just like when you go and you have a really bad back, you have a bad car accident, you go to a physical therapist to be able to work out those, um, those, those muscles, those injuries. You're go and, and just, just like a back spasm, right? I've had, I've had back spasms before and no amount of actually even working out sometimes of that back spasm is going to be able to, to um, address it. You need multiple approaches. You need to reduce the stress that's happening in your life. You need the physical treatment. And sometimes you need a muscle relaxer. And so if we're thinking about the vagina, if we're thinking about the, the vulva, we may need a physical therapist to be able to help you work out your muscles. They might recommend exercises that you can do at home. They might recommend uh, relaxation exercises like yoga to be able to relax your uh, pelvic floor so that you're not so tight and, and, and wound up. And then psychologically, I would work with you on the different things that might be contributing to um, why sex might be painful. It, it may have initially been a physical diagnosis, but you kept ha if you kept having sex, then now you've got this psychological diagnosis where you're thinking, you know what, I'm scared to even have sex. Even now that I've had the physical treatment, I'm scared to have it because the last time I remember having sex, it was painful. I mean, that's just a natural response. And so then you have to really slowly ease back into having sex and making sure that you're feeling in control, that you're really guiding 
the uh, the penetration so that it isn't something that you feel like, oh gosh, I don't know. I don't trust that my partner will go slow or that he'll stop when I need him to stop. And so I work with guiding them on uh, the, the, the slow process of reintegrating penetrative sex. And it may not require pelvic floor specialists. It may require, if it's hormonally driven, it may require some sort of hormone replacement therapy, some creams. It could, if, it's, uh, if it's something like vulvodynia or vestibulitis, it could be something very much that's just um, a prescription that is given to you to be able to heal the tissues. And if there's still a fear associated with reintegrating sex, then I can work with my clients on creating a more calm experience, tools to be able to um, be present with your partner and to, to uh, open up a space where you can be able to be direct with your partner about what you're wanting and what you're needing and uh, open up that dialogue with them. So, wow, there's so many great ways to be able to treat this. And, and it doesn't have to go on for months and years. Does that make sense? Yeah, no, I love that. And I definitely agree with you that at times it's more of a multidisciplinary treatment because I feel like sometimes people go only to physical therapy and that's not the solution or because of that fear that you mentioned that for years sex has been very painful for people and now they're kind of scared to have sex or mm -hmm. like it's hard with their partner because there's been so much disappointment in their sex life in the past. And I think working with a sex therapist is really helpful as far as like getting some support around that. And also I was thinking about many of my clients that, you know, they get the diagnosis, they work with the pelvic floor specialist, they, they get like prescribed the dilators. Mm -hmm. And they try it few few weeks and they don't try it at all. And it's just like, you're so inconsistent and it's just hard to see results if you're not consistent with any of these treatments. Yeah. I mean, really, it, so much of it is consistency and I get it. I mean, using dilators and going to a pelvic floor specialist, that is not sexy by any means. And right. now your body has become something so clinical and, and so, so I get it that this is definitely some, not something easy. And, um, and, it, and it's important to get support from your partner to be able to help you through this process. But if you use dilators a little bit and then you don't use them and then you use them again, it, I mean, it's really this, this treatment is so much like I, I compare it to going to a personal trainer. If you go to a personal trainer once a month, how are you going to feel? It's an exhausting workout right? You're sore the next day and you don't get any results. Right. Why would you pay for that? Just to get tortured <laughs> for an hour or an hour and a half, whatever? No, thanks. I don't, I don't, you need to go consistently to be able to create the results. And so there needs to be that understanding there. I've had so many injuries on my body from, because I, I love working out and I, sometimes I push myself too far and I've gone to physical therapy and I still have these injuries that were because I wasn't really great and consistent about the physical therapy. So I'll still feel that that tennis elbow or or that that ankle that I really didn't treat with, you know, gentle and 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 consistent the way that I really should have. And the, the same holds true for the muscles and the tissues of our pelvic region. And so so um, don't give up. <laughs> That's what I said. You know, don't give up. Keep 
keep doing the work. And then also if you're, if you're talking openly with your pelvic floor specialist and you trust them and you feel, you feel confident in their knowledge, then um, talk to them about your struggles and um, get a referral to a sex therapist if you're not getting enough from the conversations with them. But yeah, consistency is going to be really important. And, uh, you know, one thing that I didn't mention that I think is important to also mention is sometimes with our, with uh, our partners, they don't want to have sex with you anymore because the, what they experienced was the, the trauma as well. They don't want to, a good, a good guy doesn't want to have sex with you when it's painful. Right. Right. <laughs> you right. know, or, you know, like if your partner cares about you, they're not going to want to have sex with you if it's going to create pain. And ultimately what I end up finding is sometimes guys end up with erectile dysfunction because of this. And so then there's this, then there's this whole story that gets created, maybe a misunderstanding of what's happening there. But to me, that's such a normal response, such a, like such a normal response for the guy to say, well, geez, I'm not turned on. Why why would it be turned on if it's going to create pain with my partner? So that may be part of the treatment as well is really having your partner come in to, to sex therapy to be able to talk about what's happening with him and again, slowly reintegrating sex so that he can feel turned on, you can feel turned on, your body responds, his body responds, and then you move forward. But I would say that so much of what I get in my office is people coming and feeling like, oh my God, there's something wrong with us. It's like, no, this is how your body is supposed to respond. We get aroused when things are turning us on, when we're thinking sexy thoughts, when we're doing sexy things. But if we're not doing something sexy and if we're not thinking, thinking sexy thoughts, our body is not going to respond. Right, right. Excellent point with the partner, because I, at times I hear the like frustration from the partner and not wanting to be sexual, as you mentioned, because in the past, the partner, the wife, the girlfriend wanted to be good sports saying, oh, honey, if you really want to do it, just do it fast and get it over with. And that has been this created this like negative feeling for the partner that, okay, this is something I do for myself. And kind of, they might feel selfish, frustrated. And so I love that you're mentioning that this is an, at times impacting the partners as well. Yeah. And, and, and also, you know, I mean, who wants to have sex with someone who's just, okay, l- let me give you a favor. <laughs> right. Right. You know, it's like for the guy, I mean, wow, I feel for them. It's, it's like, they're like, geez, I don't really want to have sex with you if you're just doing me a favor. I want you to want me like I want you and through effective communication and, and being direct with one another about what, what you want and, and going slow and making sure that everything you're doing feels good. You can get to that point again, that both, both partners deserve to feel wanted and desired and to, to have sex that's worth wanting that feels pleasurable. Right. And the other recommendation at times I hear that people say, oh, just wait out after you're having a child, it might get better when you're older, it might get better. But it kind of makes sense that like most of the time it doesn't. So tell us a little bit about that. Okay. Well, first off, I say don't wait. I mean, carpe your fucking diem. I mean, (laughs) come on. I mean, this is something that is to be embraced and enjoyed. And, And so let's not wait until we get older. Give me a break. Uh, you know, that's, I mean, it, let's wait till we're retired to have great sex. No, <laughs> thanks. I want it now. But, you know, our bodies do change through childbirth. 
But, you know, I would say that it's more likely after childbirth to actually um, have problematic changes, that sometimes women experience sexual pain after childbirth because of um, hormonal changes that have happened through the childbirth and they need to be able to get to their OBGYN and talk to their OBGYN about that because they might need some sort of hormone replacement therapy to get them back on track. And um, so, but, but the idea of our bodies opening up after childbirth um, for sex, I mean, I guess I could see that that can make sense if you think about, hey, you got a, you got a baby out of there. Now you're ready for a penis. But well, you know, uh, but it doesn't. But no, our bodies are, are going to close right back up. And um, and and for people who have experienced a vaginis, a vaginismus, desperania, they're, they're still going to experience that after childbirth if they're not getting it properly treated. I mean, I, I, I know that some women, it, 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 you know, it might no longer be the case. But I think in the majority of cases that just just getting older or just having a baby is definitely not going to address uh, or decrease the sexual pain. Actually, I mean, having a baby, you know, it, it, our society says that, you know, moms don't fuck. Moms aren't sexy. Right. So I don't need, I mean, I can't imagine that a person would feel more open to sex after having a child because now it's like now you're mommy and oftentimes we're feeling like the, the, the kids, everything is for the, the children now, and we start to lose our sexual selves. So I, I would say more often than not, I see women struggling more sexually after having children. Right. And I, the other part of it is I feel our sexuality is a big part of who we are. And at times when there's like sex is painful, when people have challenges around sexuality, it tends to impact their self-image. And they, they show up differently in different parts of their lives because they see themselves as defective, not good enough. So it's kind of sad, as you mentioned, to see that, oh, I'm going to feel good about myself in five years after I have a child. Yeah, no thanks. <laughs> you know, I want to feel I want to feel good right now. And, and, and there's so many resources out there for, for us women to get more educated about our sexuality and to tap into that parts of ourselves and and there's really, there's lots of great books out there. There's lots of great podcasts and such as yours. And, and, you know, there's videos that people can watch and really just being able to have a safe space where you can talk to a sex therapist like you or me to be able to, for us to be able to normalize their experience and say, Hey, we are all sexy. We are all sexy in all shapes and sizes. Sexy is in your brain. It is not in your body. It's not about the way that you look. Um, it can be you know, emphasize with things that we do on the, the exterior. Sometimes that can fuel our uh, feelings of sexiness, but it's definitely not. I mean, we're, yeah, I mean, come on, let's just embrace your sexy. I don't know. I don't know what else <laughs> Amen. to say. <laughs> Amen to that. I know you have lots of great blogs, resources in your website. So I'm kind of curious if people want to get in touch with you and you have two practices. So tell us a little bit about what would be the best way of getting in touch with you? Well, you can always visit my website. It's talksexwithliz.com. That's an easy way to be able to check me out, read my blog. I have a blog on uh, painful sex and sex should never be painful. I think you said that you might post yeah. that on your website. So that'd be Absolutely. great if you could share that with your listeners. But you can always just go to my website and, and look, that, look that up. And you can always 
go to, you can email me at call me, but the easiest way is just going to be via my website and then you'll be able to get all that contact information. So it's talksexwithliz.com. And, um, you know, I've got other podcasts on my, on my site. I do speaking engagements. I, uh, I love blogging. So, um, I love to get the information out there and help to educate people and get past these myths of, of what sex is supposed to look like. Excellent, excellent. I leave a, a link to the sh- in the show notes for our listeners to your website and all the great information with your emails and other resources such as your blog posts. And Liz, this was so delightful. Thank you so much for your time and sharing your insight with us. Well, thanks for having me. I'm really, I'm really glad to be able to have this opportunity to talk with you and get the information out to your listeners. And, and I, I just... It's, it's, you know, it's curing the world one bed, bedroom at a time, right? <laughs> Love that. Take a good care. I hope you enjoyed my conversation with Liz. I love the wealth of information she provided us about treatment and some common causes that women might experience pain during intercourse. And one of the challenges that I often see that women wait too long before getting help I know talking about sex might be challenging, but I can almost guarantee you that whatever challenge you have around sexuality, there is a solution. All you need to do is to find an expert that knows about it. I want you to kind of think about what would be the next step for you today. If it means like contacting a sex therapist or gynecologist or pelvic floor specialist, I don't want you to suffer in silence and kind of build this anger and frustration about towards yourself and your partner. Anyhow, uh, we're toward the end of our show. I just want to remind you guys, if you have a question around sex, you can record it in our website or you can shoot me an email at drmoali at sexologypodcast.com. I'll talk to you next week. Thanks for listening to Sexology Podcast. For more great content, visit www.sexologypodcast.com. Please be advised that information presented on this podcast is not a substitute for seeking help from a licensed mental health provider.